Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, and welcome to Ask Margaret from What Fresh Hell, laughing in the face of motherhood, answering your parenting dilemmas one question at a time. This week's question is from our Facebook group, and it says, how do you enforce bedtime? We have unwittingly slipped from 8 p.m. to 9 to 9.25, even 9.45. My four-year-old often sees 10 p.m. My two-year-old had such an easy 8 p.m. bedtime until a few months ago. Now they are both running my kitchen until well after I want to be asleep myself. Did I mention I am six months pregnant with number three? Most nights I give up and leave my husband to fend for himself. Even so, when he gives up on the four-year-old, she usually joins me in bed. I never see my husband anymore and I'm completely tapped out by 4 p.m. since there is literally no end in sight. Do I just lock them in their respective rooms and let them cry until they throw up? I am seriously so over this. I uh, have been there with the old bedtime slippage. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll be glad to know we have a very simple solution. It's time to go back to one. It is time to get your children's bedtime back to 8 p.m. And it's very, very doable. I have been there I want you to give yourself one week of extremely consistent bedtime routine, and I'm going to be surprised if it takes you a full week to get there. You want your kids in bed for the night. You don't hear from them again at 8 p.m. That means we need to start a consistent bedtime routine by, I'm going to say 7.15. At 7.15, we're going to start stories. We're going to start winding down for the night. We might do baths. Start finding things that are part of your consistent bedtime routine. For me, when my kids were this age, that involved lavender bath. I don't believe that lavender helped kids sleep, but I do think there is like a sensory thing that goes on when you have that smell. It's like, oh yes, this is bath time. We start to move into a quiet time of the evening. We stop games that involve tickling, running around, screaming. We might put on a really calm video. You might find some sleep time stories either that you read that are a podcast. There's lots of great like sleepy themed. um, There's lots of great sleepy themed things you can listen to with your kids. But around 715, we move into a whole new mode into the house and it's quiet time. 
You might also consider adding a snack to this so that they have something to eat. You know they're not hungry. And then we move into a whole new set of rules. At about 7.45, we start saying goodnight to the kids. We start making sure that everybody has their comfort item, their lovey, their stuffy, whatever it is they need with them. And then at 8 o'clock, it is lights out time. Good night. We will see you tomorrow. At eight o'clock, nothing else interesting happens. And so if the kids get out of bed, which believe me, for the first couple of days, they will. I might have a rule that you get three asks. Okay. And remember, it's nighttime. Good night. Lights go off at eight o'clock. And then remember, you have three asks left. And so we understand and we build into it a little bit that ask number one is, can I have a glass of water? That's one of your asks. Here's your glass of water. Good night. I will see you tomorrow. Uh, Can I have a back scratch? Yes, that's your second ask. I'm going to give it to you. Good night. I will see you tomorrow. I'm scared. I'll come in. Okay, here's your stuffy, here's your lovey, here's the monster spray that we spray when we feel scared, whatever that looks like, good night. That's your last ask, I will see you tomorrow. As they come out of their room, you are now the complete blank slate. You will just go lead that child back to the room, they might be crying, and lead them back and put them in their bed. I will see you tomorrow. But now we're not doing any more glasses of water. We're not doing any more hugs, scratches. We're not doing any more interactions at all. You are completely blank facing them and leading them back to their room. Good night. I will see you tomorrow. This may happen 15 times the first night. When I transitioned my kid to a big boy bed, we did probably... 25 interactions the first night, but those interactions were, he was, we had a little baby gate at the door. He would stand at it and scream. After five minutes of crying, I would walk in, pick them up, put them back in bed and say, good night. I will see you tomorrow. And then it may start again. And then you wait five minutes, you go back up, pick them up, put them back in bed, Good night. I love you. I will see you tomorrow. Very blank and just very boring and repetitive so that they start to learn that there is no reaction that is coming from the tantruming, the calling for water, whatever it may happen to be. This involves a tremendous amount of repetitive discipline. It can be loving. It can be a smile on your face. You're not angry. You're not mad. You're just not interested. And If you can keep that routine up for a week, and I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's going to last a week, you will start to reset bedtime to eight o'clock and then the lights go out. And hopefully by three days in, you're only going back twice to say, good night, I will see you tomorrow. But that nobody's coming out of their room, nobody's getting their way, nobody is getting any attention or reward for running around the house at 9.15, 9.45, 10 o'clock at night. I think that if you can go back to one and do this really, really consistently, 
starting at 745, you will get to a place where bedtime is eight o'clock and you will not talk to your kids again. I know for myself that I would let the bedtime creep. And exactly as you said, if at four o'clock you have no idea when the end of the night is and knowing that it might be after 10 o'clock, you can't do that with a new baby. You can't do that pregnant. And so it is time to reset Look at some videos on YouTube about this. Find a couple of articles, but you are in charge of bedtime and you are in charge of saying goodnight. And then for yourself and your husband, you are both in charge of not rewarding a kid who is looking for attention after eight o'clock at night. Stick with the routine. Keep a journal if you need to. We're on night one. This is how it went. It was a nightmare. It was horrible. We did 45 rounds of goodnight. We were up until 1130. I bet as you see that journal, it's going to feel like it's taking forever. It's going to take three or four days of really consistent bedtimes to reset this for both of your kids and the rewards in the long term are going to be really, really worth it. I would love to hear from you on our Facebook page about how this goes for you and weigh in if you all have other suggestions about how to make nighttime a little bit more peaceful and a little bit more consistent. Thanks for listening. And if you have questions for myself or Amy, please ask them on our Facebook group or send them to questions at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. And you may hear your question answered on an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for listening. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.